With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Shea Station, the 19th episode. The offseason is well underway. The rumors are swirling around. Nothing's set in stone yet, but there's plenty to talk about. I'm joining you guys today, Jolly Olive, Jack, whatever you want to call me as always. And joining me is former Washington National, Jerry Blevins. <laughs> do you haven't you have done that one? You snuck that one in on me. Former I national. did it because of the uh, the GM candidates. I feel like it made sense. That's great. I feel like, you know, it just lined up with the area. There was an article written in the Washington Post about um, F.P. Santangelo stepping down from their TV analyst gig. Yeah, I heard. And uh, my name got mentioned in that. I did hear. They're like 10. So I was like, oh, hey, is that what is that? Are they reaching out? So who knows? I have to get my agent on that. I have no beef with Nationals fans, but how do you think Mets fans will feel if you took that job? I'm just curious. I think they would be okay with it. I think that, you know, again, I'm be supportive. Right? It's not a, it's a, it's a career move. It's not like anybody in the, uh, in the Mets booth is going anywhere. I don't want them to go anywhere myself. So. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think it's like a betrayal or anything like that, but like, no, no, you gotta start caring about the Nats a lot. That's just a dude saying, these are people that could fill in. Uh, I literally haven't even talked about it. So. I was going to say, have you heard anything? Any rumors? No. Like Nobody has um, nobody has talked to me or my people. Bummer. By my people, I mean also my my email and my inbox. <laughs> Those count as your people. That's true. Uh, so I, the the reason I dropped Washington National Jerry Blevins is because we have uh, more GM rumors. Between our last episode where we had the awesome Drew Smith on, we didn't really talk about any of like the new candidates, and it's kind of good because they came and went, and now we're on now we're on new ones. Um, but there's two new candidates. They were they were part of the uh, early 2010s Nationals teams, the first really good teams uh, that were winning the NL East every year. Uh, a couple of interesting names. Fans have already uh, declared themselves experts on these guys. I'm not going to pretend like I know too much about them, other than like my surface level research. But of that research, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, for those who are completely unfamiliar, uh, they're targeting the figureheads uh, for GM positions, Adam Cromie and Sam Mondry Cohen. Same last name as Steve Cohen, kind of. No collusion there, I don't think. No collusion. Uh, here, here, here's my take on the whole thing. First of all, I was there in Washington when at least Cromie was there. Yeah. I'm not sure if, yeah, I, I, I don't remember any interactions with him. Specifically, we may have paths cross paths but um so you guys were best friends. i'm not really i'm not really looking too deep into anything because i don't i don't know anything i know what you know i'm waiting for actual facts to come out and then once they have a press conference i'm just putting my faith in the the mets front office uh, to to kind of figure it out to to because like 
Yeah, I'm just over all these. The, the, to me, the biggest problem is we know everything that they're doing. Yeah, we know who they're talking to. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know the other candidates. I don't need to know that you interviewed anybody. I really don't. Yeah, I would rather not know until something happens. So, and like I, I, I made a tweet about this. Some people were upset with it. Some people agreed. But like this, this whole process from the first Billy Bean rumor to now has been less than two months. But I think the amount of coverage and the amount of things that we've heard about it has exacerbated that duration. It's it's felt so much longer. And obviously, you know, they, there's been vacancies for quite a while now and like all the fiascos that happened during the 2021 season. But, you know, the Mets have gone through, I think, like 10 candidates. But because some of them held jobs, like a clubs, it feels like a thousand. Exactly. But um, the two guys that they're looking at now, um, they've been talking to, I feel like, the most of any of the candidates that have been circulating in rumors. Chromie has been hanging around for, I think, like five days now, four or five days, which is pretty good, uh, considering everyone else, you know? Like Matt Arnold. Almost made a full news cycle. Yeah, I was going to say. Matt Arnold was like the day of, and then he rejected it that day, and I was like, all right, cool. So why did we get our hopes up? But I'm hoping hoping the end is in sight, basically. Do you want to cover the... the the Stearns rumors still like do you want to cover that because I think that's yeah. interesting and I also have a perspective analysis of that too so why don't you talk about Stearns a Jerry analysis yeah so they have those <laughs> two guys coming in put, potentially for GM they used to work together so it makes a lot of sense the presidency um is still kind of a an open casket right now uh no one really knows what's going on the biggest rumor that has been conflicted by SNY's Andy Martino and then Joel Sherman is that the Mets are still targeting David Stearns. Now, not a lot of people know about like when his contract is going to end. There might be a team option in 22, or maybe it's his own option that he can decline. What we do know is that in a college paper, uh, like 10 years ago, David Stearns wrote that he was a Mets fan and went to the 9-11 game and all these things. So he has roots uh, uh, with the Mets, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee anything uh, in terms of him stepping in. It's a very risky play because if we waste another year without a Pobo and then Stearns declines and stays with Milwaukee, which I would not blame him in doing because they've been a good ball club for about five years now, um, that would be devastating. And you kind of have to start from square one again for the third straight year. But if it does work out, I mean, David Stearns is a dream hire for this club to really guide the ship, you know? I, I agree with most of your sentiment, but I also disagree with a little bit of it. Here, here's my take. First of all, for Stearns, I think that's awesome. They have a caliber of person, but they can't talk to them. They literally aren't allowed to talk to them. You it's collusion. You can't speak. You can't, there's no, there's no communication. The fact that his job, you don't know when it's up, but here, here's why I really like it as a Mets fan. I like the fact that Stevie Cohen is looking big picture. Like this is, he's going to own the Mets far longer than Francisco Lindor is going to be a player. Far, you know what I mean? He wants to own the team. He wants to create something. So he's not going to rush in year one, two, three to put something together just because they, they have spots to fill. He's thinking, all right, we can, we can put a competitive team out there every year, but we can do that and kind of mix and match. But he wants to build something for the future. And he's going to be patient and figuring that out. And I love that because you know, as much and as frustrating it is uh, for you and me as content creators and also as fans, because we want these spots filled with the best candidates to be able to bring in the best players, he's still looking big picture. So he's not going to rush anything. And I love that. I think that's a really smart approach 
Um, again, uh, that's also why I think that we don't need to know the, the guys that come in and interview and, and get out and reject. We don't need to know any of that because it doesn't matter because we're, we just need to know the news, but I feel like the Mets are in good hands moving forward. It may frustrate for the next year or two or a year or two in the past already, but I think ultimately it's still heading in the right direction. Just not as fast as we would hope. Yeah, I think that that's the key thing there. It's that, you know, when new ownership takes over, you expect a change to be swift. And, you know, I'm in that boat too. I am just as frustrated as everybody else. But when you're looking at that bigger picture, if David Stearns ends up being a part of that, that's a crazy hire. That is a very non-Mets hire to just sought out and get from another successful ball club. Uh, the one thing the Mets have going for them right now is that they, their analytic department is larger than it's ever been, and it's full of guys poached from teams like the Dodgers and the Giants. So they have that going for them. They just don't have a figurehead to sort of govern that and facilitate it and make sure it's operating at its fullest capacity. But sort of segueing here a little bit, because I know there's not too much more to say other than it might be Stearns, it might not be Stearns. That analytic department is sort of the reason for a lot of career years on the Mets last year one of which uh, is Aaron Loop, who has resurfaced in the free agency discussion uh, in just the past couple days. Uh, We know from earlier in the season, he said this in press conferences, that Aaron Loop would love to return to the New York Mets. But when you have a season with an ERA under one and you become that caliber of reliever, even though MLB didn't recognize him for it on the uh, all-MLB team, just saying. Kind of weird that he got was that possible? left off the ballot. Like I get not getting and and in. our and our boy Paul Seawald in the AL got left off the ballot. I mean, he didn't have the same type of year, but he had a higher impact. But he had a career year, yeah. So for Loop, here's a little bit. He's 33. He had his career year. He's a free agent. He has to capitalize, you know, off of this. He wants to do it in New York with the Mets and play in Queens. There's there's a couple of things working in his favor. He's shown his how he could do it for the team. He's he's done it on the biggest stage. He's done it in multiple roles, you know, less frequent, more frequent, longer outings. He's shown that he can just be durable and flexible. It's incredible. But at the same time, uh, he he is like he's shown other teams that he can do it too. And so he's gonna he's a hot commodity right now, and he's gonna have a a, a short term window. At thirty three, nobody's gonna give him a three year deal. So he's, he's going to come in and have to do it. A good thing is for him and for the Mets is that he's familiar and comfortable doing it in New York. He knows what's helped him. He wants to come back. There's a reason why he had success here. There's something that, that felt comfortable with him, or maybe it was uncomfortable that pushed him in a way he blossomed here. And he, when you find a place that you succeed, a lot of the times you want to stay there because it's conducive for success. And so I see him coming back if the Mets really want him. Uh, I think it's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see what the market looks like. I definitely think they they probably have the inside track just because of his comments made like during the season. Like, obviously, I think there's probably coordination there. But, of course, the team that is in on Aaron Loop, and a team that definitely should be in on Aaron Loop, like I, I'm not surprised by the news at all, is the Philadelphia Phillies, who are trying for the third or fourth year in a row to fix this bullpen and get it right. And if you want to get off on the right foot with that, it's probably with the best lefty reliever in the game right now other than Josh Hader, which is Aaron Loop. So, I mean, they're, they're ready to spend. This is a ball club that is in their contention window right now. They missed the playoffs last year, which was devastating. They need to sort of capitalize on all these max contracts that are going on, all these great players that they have. 
Uh, and Aaron Loop, I think, would be a fantastic addition to that team. That's one addition that I don't want to see because he's a fixture <laughs> in this Mets bullpen. Like you said, it would he be was so used... sad. I know. That's what I'm saying. It would be a horrible way to start this offseason. I think is I feel like the NL East is so unique in the sense that like guys stay in the NL East. We bounce around from team to team, stay, you know, it's so strange. I feel like a lot of guys go from other divisions, other teams, and just kind of move all around. But I feel like the NL East kind of just shuffles through the same guys because, you know, I, I don't know what the case is, but. I mean, Adam Duvall is a really good example. He went Miami to the Braves and went right back. I mean, if you want to talk about every division, the first big move of the offseason was Wade Miley, and he went across town to Chicago. He's not very far from Cincinnati at all. So I'm hoping it's not the case here, but yeah, this has been a sort of a trend in the NL East for a little bit. I would like, I would like him to stay put. I would like him to, to stay in Queens. I think, again, I think it's, if, if their offer is competitive, it's, it's going to work out, but um, let's hope. I hope he gets paid. He deserves it, man. He deserves to, to get to, to set himself up because he, he shined, you know, I love Conforto. He's a good friend of mine. But he did the opposite of what Conforto did. He had, you know, Conforto has a, he's going to, Conforto's going to be fine. He'll be fine. But his platform year, he had a down year, whatever contributed to that. But but Aaron Loop showed up. He showed out too. So good for him. I hope, he, I hope he's back because I enjoy watching him pitch. Uh, and I think he would be a, a great addition. But the Phillies need him maybe even more than we do. Yeah. I, I was definitely going to say like, I, they're, they're going to be willing to pay him. Like Aaron loop will get his payday one way or the other, but like Alderson has already ad- admitted in like a very vague sense that the Mets have a fat wallet for this off season. And like, it's going to depend on like what that big picture plan is. Like, do they want to invest a lot of money in uh, guys that are not being picked out by who they envision running the team, you know, cause it is Sandy stepping in in the interim once again, obviously with the ear of a lot of other people, but I'm sure that fans would not be upset if, you know, they paid a little bit extra to bring back a guy that was a savior for them in sort of a lost season. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a an eight-year deal that that a new GM or president of baseball ops is going to come in and have to be strapped with. You know what I mean? He's not trading for a Robinson Cano where you're just, you just got that money on, oh, that's that tough. I mean, I've been, oh. Uh... You're not trading. You're not where... I'm, see, that's a situation right now. I don't want to get into it, but like, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? I mean, okay, so you... What are we going to do with... Are we? Is he going to contribute to this team, do you think? I mean, like, think about it this way. Like, do you want $20 million of payroll on your bench? Like, I know it's it's not about, like, if you make the most money, you get to play, but, like, that's a lot of money, you know? He's going to make that money. Yeah. Do you want him... Do you, Is he going to be effective enough and bring enough to the team to warrant a roster spot. I think no, he's definitely going to be on the roster. I don't. I don't think they then cut he does. Stays. Yeah, I mean, it's one hinging on if this DH comes back, which it seems it, it will, but you never know. Uh, two, do the Mets want to break the bank on a Chris Bryant? You just mentioned, do they want to lock themselves into a seven-year, a six-year, eight-year deal, whatever it is, for that caliber of player? And if that's the case, then there is no spot for Robinson Cano because I don't think he can play second base much anymore. He's 36 or 38, somewhere up there. But if Robinson Cano were to play the field, I envision it would be at third base for, uh, you know, benching JD or just not going out to get a third base and instead, you know, investing in the outfield and Javier Baez potentially. So I don't know where Robinson Cano fits onto the starting lineup, but I definitely believe he will be present with the Mets uh, in 2021. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I just I'm not sure where he fits on the team. Uh, I don't know him as a person at all. Um, so I don't know what kind of clubhouse guy he is, if he's going to be able to take being on the bench and not being a, a regular. I don't know, because, you know, he's been a premier player for a long time. And to be able to take that back seat when you're one of the highest paid players also, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting to me. You know, I could see him. I don't see him at third base. That's just me personally. I've never seen him over there. I don't think he's ever played. Let me check if he's played actually. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I was thinking that they either keep him on the bench and if he's unhappy, they just cut him loose and let him go find a place to play just wear that contract. One thing that popped into my brain when thinking about Cano is that if he returns and I, I'm fairly certain he will, um, that kind of means the end for Jonathan VR. Cause that role is kind of filled at that point. You're I mean, Cano obviously can't play shortstop, but your second and third base left-handed bat off the bench, obviously VR is switch, but yeah, that role gets filled there. So like VR kind of gets hang out to hung out to dry a little bit. That's what I mean. Like as far as taking up that roster spot, you know, there, there it is. Cano has played two games at third base in his career. Nice. Well, he's done more than I thought. Yeah, that's fair. I think so. They were both with the Mariners in 18. There you go. I don't want a deficiency in my defense at third base because I think it's so important. We've seen kind of what it looks like when we don't have the best fielder over there. And there's so many good defensive third basemen out there on the market. And, and I just, I don't want to take, you know, you could hide a guy in the outfield every once in a while, or maybe even, you know, I hate to say it at first base if he's a poor fielder. Um, but third base is a, that's a glaring hole because you, it's the hot corner, man. You gotta, you gotta make plays over there. Is it fair to say that we haven't had a, a caliber defender uh, since David Wright at third base? Like, has it just been kind of a revolving door of underperformance in the field? Cause I, I, I think back, like you had Eric Campbell there uh, filling in. Yeah, for soups. Fine. Yeah, he was fine. Like, don't get me wrong. Fine. Like, some of them have been serviceable. But I'm talking about, like, a, a glove at third base, a glove caliber that we have in the middle infield. So, I mean, it's I mean, frustrating. Who else? Like, J.D. Davis who else is over there. T.J. Rivera. T.J. Rivera he play there, there very much? T.J. bounced around. I think he played a little bit of second, too. Yeah, because I remember him at second base the most, and then he played some third. Um, he's good. But, again, you know, you're we don't – not since – I mean, David, again, spoiled – you know, the captain. Jose Reyes was there for a little bit, if I remember. Yeah, and Jose wasn't a great defensive third baseman. He didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't like being that close. It's a long time coming, basically, is the, is the point I want to make there. But Chris I mean, Bryant would be lovely. Chris Bryant would be lovely, but I still think the more eye-popping action uh, would be to go get Matt Chapman. I just... Oh, my the God. The A's that would have be made it for me. so clear. I just want to watch him play defense. I really do. I just want to watch him play every day you have an excuse to 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 tune him in because the guy is special like i honestly it, i'm so sad for the a's that's a whole fiasco about them saying that there's cash strap they're just tanking they don't want to pay anybody they do the same thing they cycle through the their front office is doing the best they can with what they've got this is how it goes that's why bob melvin left yep and i don't blame him dude i don't blame him either i and i give the a's credit for being like let's let him go you know, he doesn't want to be a part of this. Like he's frustrated. You're, he's going to, it's not going to be good. He wants to try to compete. And so he's, he went to San Diego. He was, he had an option to come here. That was a much better fit for him. Like, you know, obviously a lot more stable, um, but they're getting rid of everybody. Everybody is on the market. I think that's going to be a big, you know, 
a big deal. And I would love to get Matt Chapman. That would be, that's a move that I think if we make it, that changes a lot of things because, uh, and we sign him and it, we kind of do the, the, the Lindor thing and put, yeah, that would be perfect. I don't, I do not think Cleveland is going to find a package from the Mets that is worth J Ram. So I think you can rule it out unless like you're willing to part with like Jeff McNeil and one of one or two of your top prospects for one year. Maybe like that's it of J Ram. What I, what I love the best about Matt Chapman is I think, uh, especially offensively, I think his best is yet to come. Whereas with J Ram and even Lindor a little bit, you feel like you're paying for what they did and you're worried that they might not reach that same level. I feel like you can get Matt Chapman at, you know, where he's at. He's had a couple of great years. He's had some injuries. Uh, his, he's won the platinum glove defensively, but offensively, I feel like he's coming into his own. He's starting to, to hit that stride uh, and hit that sweet spot of, of being in his prime offensively. So you can get a guy like what the Phillies did with Zach Wheeler, man. Exactly a guy coming into his own hitting, hitting free agency at a time to where you can get a guy, pay him good money, but he's going to exceed that. So be worth more than what you're giving him. I think that's what Matt Chapman is. Yeah. Lindor had a one Oh one OPS plus last year, which is like one point above league average. Chapman was a 100, but his past three years before that was a 130, 30 points above the league average. So he's proven that he's a capable hitter at the major league level. But as you mentioned before, he had a, what was it? A hip surgery, right? Yeah, he had hip surgery. He tried to play through it, and it was too much. And he he came out and ended up having hip surgery, which takes a while, especially hitting. Yeah. Um. So I again, I think you could get him low. I think he's a Boris guy though, so you're not going to be able to. He's so close to free agency. It's pretty interesting. But he, here's the thing. So he's very he's close to free agency. I believe he's uh 2024. Let me just double check and confirm. Uh, his earliest free agent is 2024. Okay, so. Uh, your expected arrival date for Brett Beatty, who just became an Arizona Fall League All-Star, is 2023-2024. I think that, you know, if you sign KB to a seven-year deal, which is the rumored length of his deal, um, yeah. Wow. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot with these great prospects you have. Like, you have Mark Vientos, who isn't a great glove in the field. He's probably, like, going to be a DH type. But Brett Beatty is looking to be like a fantastic pick for the Mets, who has been raking at every level and has already he already made it to double A. So he could be here even sooner than that. I, I don't think you need somebody for that long term. I know it's been a revolving door at third base, uh, one full of, you know, mediocre gloves and mediocre bats. But Matt Chapman makes you have the best left side defense in MLB. If you ha- if you're facing righties, they're basically forced to either barrel the ball or go oppo because it's not getting through Chapman and Lindor. And I think it's just, it makes so much sense. He just had his worst offensive season. And the A's have admitted to everybody that if the price is right, they'll, they'll give you their guys. So I, I know we've been hearing a lot of rumors at third base, like Robinson Cano and like J.D. Davis apparently isn't going anywhere. So I don't know what the plan is, but if Chapman is available, I think you have to try, right? I agree. If he's on the table, go get him, man. He's, he's, he's stellar. I, I actually would be so excited to hear – you know, Keith and Ron and Gary in the booth at SNY talk about and watch Matt Chapman play third base because it would be pretty special. Keith appreciates good defense, which I've always loved. He's instilled that belief in. Well, oh, didn't he win young. like forty-two straight Gold Gloves? Yeah, I think it was like base. seventy-two, seventy-four, or something like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's far off. So he gets it. And Ronnie, you know, as a pitcher, you love a guy that can play some defense behind you. So absolutely. 
So that's the third base side of things. And I know we had done our uh, dream lineups uh, earlier, a couple episodes ago, and you picked Marcus Semien at second base, which I love. And, you know, if the Mets have a fat wallet, which they supposedly do, uh, Marcus Semien is not a bad option at all. He just declined his qualifying offer. Uh, but Javier Baez is obviously circulating in rumors with the Mets. And the word is that a Javier Baez deal is likely going to be early uh, in the free agency market, likely before this whole CBA fiasco really hits the fan on uh, December 1st. Uh, Sandy had a presser. He talked about a lot of the uh, prospective free agents, including Baez. His quote was, uh, his impression on me was very positive. I thought he played exceptionally well. He's obviously a multi-talented player. I think he would fit well in New York. Nothing seems to phase him in terms of size of the stage. He can help a team in a number of different ways, and he's an entertaining player. So he goes beyond contributing to a winning team. So a lot of positives there. And this is, you know, this is interesting because... Alderson handled the uh, the thumbs down situation and put out a statement on Baez right after trading for him. So I, the, you'd think that maybe the perspective of Sal, uh, Sandy towards Baez might have been soured, but Baez just played ridiculously well that I think you can't even say nothing but good positive things about him. You know, he probably Sandy probably went and talked to him about that, and he look. It seems like Baez gave him a good impression. Like, yeah, that was foolish. I didn't mean it like that. Whatever the case may be. So he impressed Sandy on a personal level too, because, you know, Sandy's a man of, of principle in that sense of accountability and the way he handled, I think was good, but uh, ha, ha, Baez is hot. You know, you talked about the qualifying offer with Simeon. He doesn't have one. He doesn't, he doesn't carry a, a draft pick compensation. And so you have a chance to get him without giving anything up. He's a free, he's a real free agent versus all the other guys that, that carry baggage Uh I, it's pretty interesting. I'd love for him to come back too. I think that's the most, I, I think that's the most likely to happen. And I, I feel like Baez brings some versatility. I feel like he could fill in at third base if need be. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what he's looking at because if you have Robbie Cano and you have to play him, he's only going to play second base and Javi could, I think Javi's so good that he could play third base if need be. Yeah. So like if our, our Chapman dreams fall through, like Javi at third is not a ridiculous thing to, you know, come up with at all. Um, I think he would be awesome over there. I don't know if he's ever thought about it, but I think, I think his style of play his he, he reminds me a lot of, of like Donaldson because he's willing to block a base to make a tag. And at third base, when you got a guy sliding in and a throw coming in from the outfield and you just make third base impossible to get to, and you tag a guy out. I mean, that's, that's what Baez brings to the table. Exactly. I mean, we always saw that with him, you know, tagging out runners when they were trying to steal at second. So it makes perfect sense that it would translate. Yeah, exactly. But you, you mentioned like how desirable he is early in free agency. I mean, there's a pick attached to Trevor story. There's a pick attached to Corey Seager. Carlos Correa is going to get a giant bag because the Yankees are making it known that they are going to, you know, drop sack and pay whatever they can to get him. So that leaves Javier Baez fourth among the shortstop ranks. Uh, you can probably get him on shorter years than everybody else. There's no draft pick to give up because there was no qualifying offer. So, I mean, there's, it makes perfect sense for every team that's not willing to shell out $200 million to go after a guy like Baez. So I'm glad the Mets are meeting with his camp and making it known they're interested. But, like, yeah, you got to act fast. Like, the, the market is heating up for Loop and Baez already, and, like, free agency just started. So the pressure is definitely on. That's what, I, that's what I like, and that's why also we take a, another look at the front office search. I, I feel like the Mets are still in play with free agents, which is key. You know, there's a, still a lot of open spots in their front office of, of people making these decisions, but they're still moving forward. They know they have a competitive team. They're not giving up. They're not throwing in the towel for the future right now. So, that you know, that's that's good. 
I saw, um, I, I, I think Michael Mayer tweeted it, but it was a, uh, it was just newspaper covers from seven years ago yesterday. And it was, um, people like really praising the uh, Michael Kadire signing when it happened in 2014. Like the Mets are changing, like they're changing their ways. They just paid somebody two years, $20 million. And now we're talking about the Mets, you know, trying to reclaim all these players and get more players. And it's just, it's, it's interesting how much things have changed, but fan reactions can still be the same. It's just, it's very perplexing to me. It, it was, it, it was funny to see, but it was, it also made me think a little bit. Uh, but you know, that was just like segue. Wanted to bring it up. I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's true. You, you, you put it in a context of where you were seven years ago and look at what they're doing to now. It's got to be a positive. You got to feel good about the direction. Again, the long term. This is a you're a lifelong Mets fan. You got to be at least, you know, you're frustrated with the way things are shaken out, but you got to be excited about the future still. Like I still think things are are headed in the right direction. So we mentioned some qualifying offer stuff with uh, Corey Seager and Trevor Story. The Mets made qualifying offers themselves to two players. Uh, it's Noah Syndergaard and Michael Conforto. Unsurprisingly, Conforto rejected the QO. Apparently, he's hearing offers from everywhere because Scott Boris uh, claimed him to be the king of Queens, which I thought was pretty interesting. Kind of what a, an interview that I guy. Was gonna, it's insane. That guy is full dude. of dad jokes. I know, dude. He thinks he's very Hollywood, and I, yeah, I kind of respect it, but at the same time, I can't watch like clips of him because I'm like, what is going? What? What? I, I look at him and I, I look at like some of the things he said, uh, the King of Queens and like, it's, it's so cheesy, it's but corny, he, he gets the job done as a, it's corny, but as an agent, if I'm his client, uh, I don't care how he gets the job done because he's been doing it for years. Yeah, he's in his own world. Check, man. man. That's all that really matters. Uh, so Conforto rejected Noah has dropped many hints that he loves New York on social media and is constantly putting LGM in the captions and stuff. So obviously Mets are, uh, Mets fans are raiding his Instagram, just looking for any sign that he's going to come back. I'm still very comfortable thinking that he's going to accept it just because right after he got the offer, he tweeted about how happy he was that he got a qualifying offer. And I feel like that was everything I needed to know. So they're probably just hashing out some things, maybe like trying to get him a better deal. I don't know if the Mets are going to go for like a two-year type thing, but I think Noah wants to stay. I don't think that's outlandish, outlandish to suggest in the first place. Yeah, I think Noah is either going to stay for that one year or sign a big long-term deal because there's no win in it for him if he signs a two-year deal. It just lengthens out his, you know, his trip to free agency. Exactly. Um, I would be weird. I think what would be more, what's going to be more strange if you saw, um, if you saw Conforto in a new uniform or or Syndergaard wearing a different uniform. Here's the thing. So I, I'm, I'm, my mind is fully prepared to see Conforto in like a Giants jersey or a Mariners jersey. I mean, I, I kind of, since the beginning of the season, and I'm still upset about it, obviously, but I always kind of felt like he was going to leave just because the outfield market is great for him right now. He's one of the premier guys, even on a down season. I think seeing Noah in a different uniform would weird me out, especially if he went to, like, the Angels and was wearing red. It just would not look right. He's very synonymous with blue and orange at this point, just because, like, he's such an active social media figure, and, like, he's Thor, and, like, he has the hair, and, like, he's very recognizable in that way. He's like one of the Mets celebrities, kind of, because like Jacob Degrom is a fantastic pitcher. I got him right here on my computer. Um, but you know, very distracting, exactly. But like Thor, I think of as like one of our like celebrity guys in the same way that like Lindor is a celebrity guy, like one of those like main face you'd see in other realms of media. So to see him walk away from New York would be uh, devastating to me, just because I want to see what he has left in the tank. It's been two innings in the past two years. We got to give him a fair shake before you actually cut him loose, you know. Oh, I feel I feel the same way. I think it would be 
strange to see him in a different uniform. If he goes anywhere, he's got to go big market. You got to take advantage of, of your celebrity status. And LA would be pretty sweet. Instead of seeing him on, you know, on TV shows in New York, you see him in, in movie sets all the time. He sneaks into Marvel stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> Get him in the next store if there is one. That's part of their appeal. If they're, they're if he goes to free agency is, you know, the Anaheim, you know, he, he'd be a, a free pass to, to Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so he is linked to the Angels. So is uh, Marcus Stroman, who we haven't heard a, a ton about other than this Angels rumor. But obviously, you know, the Angels need pitching. They've needed pitching for the past 10 years and are I've hopefully awakening to that, you know, sentiment. But they're targeting both Stroman and Syndergaard pretty heavily. So, I mean, Stroman is going to get a deal. Uh, we always knew this. Uh, he's going to get paid. I don't know if the Mets are going to bring him back. There are a lot of starting pitcher options. I don't think the Mets are going to opt for these uh, Verlander or Scherzer types on these shorter deals, just because I don't know like what the what their layout is going to be next year. I don't know what the rotation is going to look like. I think the Mets like guys like Tyler McGill. You know, I think they liked what they saw out of him. I think he got a little overworked and his numbers got inflated. But those first ten starts out of McGill kind of proved that he can hang at the big league level. He beat some good teams. He beat the Giants. Super you know? impressed with Tyler McGill. I think him and and even you know a lot of guys forget about Peterson. I was super impressed with him. I think this is another year for him learning. Obviously, he got hurt, um, but that happens. Pitching in the big leagues is taxing on your body, and so I think these guys have a chance to get even better. Um, and so they're, you're going to count on at least one of them, one of the two to contribute. I think if you put them both together on a championship caliber team, you, you fill four spots and let those guys battle back and forth, or maybe even three spots and have them battle um, for four and five and, and mixing somebody else in. They're both great. I think they're, I think they're really good. As far as Stroman goes, I think his market's going to be really good. He had a great year. He's shown durability coming off of, of a, of an opt-out season to, to make the the most starts and the way he looked and he, he was super impressive. I actually think he would look great in Anaheim in that red uniform. Yeah. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting. He'll, he'll get, he'll get a good deal somewhere. I would like to see him back in Queens, but I'm not sure we haven't heard anything and we hear everything. Yeah. Like we know everything. I feel like, you know, Andy Martino might be tapped straight into he might be the next GM of the Mets because he knows so much about what's going on. God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, you never know, man. And so we haven't heard any rumblings about Stroman, at least connected to the Mets, except for, you know, right away. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if Stroman wants to be the ace that we know he can be like the angels is a great place to go. There's nobody going to be competing for that number one spot other than him. Um, in terms of like what the Mets rotation can look like, if Noah accepts the QO, and I think he will, uh, then the Mets have a five-man rotation for next season already. They have Jacob DeGrom. Give it to me. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Taiwan Walker, Tyler McGill, David Peterson. That's five spots. You can fill out a rotation. What, what's our what's our depth? What, who, who else do we have there? You also have Cookie Carrasco. I don't know what his injury timetable is right now, so that's six. So the Mets aren't in dire need of start, starting pitching, but they could definitely use a high-caliber guy. You know, so you talked about Verlander and Scherzer. I don't think those guys sign with the Mets. Those would be the ideal situation, like a quick, super high end, super short term deal. Yep. But guys like that are chasing championships and there's too many question marks, you know, for them to come over and fill in in New York until all these things shake out. Yeah, uh, there are there are more appropriate places for them to sign. I would love Scherzer to come 
and just fill in that. Can you imagine DeGrom and Scherzer in the same? It would be unfair. It really would. It would be awesome. And just to watch those two interact. There's, I cannot create that image in my mind. I can totally do Of Max Scherzer wearing a Mets uniform. It's not. Oh, I would love to see it. I mean, the Mets did send a scout to Justin Verlander's uh, throwing session. Verlander, I think, was pumping 96. I think we sent two or something. Two scouts. But, like, I would be fairly certain that every team sends scouts to that just to see, like, what he has in the tank and, like, if he's still Verlander, which it appears he is. And, like, the Yankees have made it very clear that they're in on him. They're in on uh, Correa. They're basically just buying the Astros at this point, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but I don't think the Mets opt for that that Bauer type deal, the short year high AAV. I think they're they're going to look at the guys like Marcus Stroman, like Kevin Gosman, or maybe you know reclamation projects guys that had good peripherals and bad years. Alex Cobb, I've heard, uh, has popped up a couple times for the Mets on their radar a little bit. I think they go for one starting pitcher arm. I don't think they need much more than that. If you're going to sign a starting pitcher, you need one. Excuse me, reliable guy a Stroman type that is going to fill in that you don't have to feel strapped because he's in there every fifth day you're not going to feel worried you need a reliability otherwise you just need depth right and those you know because you have some youth and then you need depth and that's that's interesting so I hope you know it it's an exciting time for for free agency with you've got the CBA deadline coming up that's I think we're going to see some some fireworks or lack thereof. Uh, but I think Baez gets signed quickly. I think Stroman gets gets signed, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, it's the bigger names that I'm I'm curious to see where they go. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of it because I I agree. I feel like it's going to be one end of the extreme spectrum. It's either there's going to be a bunch of guys rattling off quick deals just to you know avoid whatever complications come from the new CBA agreement. Um, or it's going to be, you know, the big names holding out because maybe they can get more money after the agreement's finalized, you know? Like, you don't know right now. We, we really are sort of in limbo uh, in that space. But I, I do still think because, you know, you got last season, you got a great first half from Taiwan Walker. You got the first 10 starts of Tyler McGill were fantastic. The Mets need a guy that is going to give them 28 to 30 starts, a guy that is not going to wear down as the season goes on. And if you have that, you can sort of mix and match these guys that, you know, maybe only give you 15 great starts or might be an injury risk because Taiwan has been in the past. The Mets got kind of lucky that he stayed healthy the entire season. Um, So the Mets need somebody at the top because you never know what's what the story is going to be with Thor. He's pitched two innings in the past two years. DeGrom just had UCL troubles. So somebody to rely on at the top, even if it's not the best guy out there, is my priority in the rotation. Nothing really outside of that. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think you nailed it. So we we talked third base, uh, Chris Bryant, Brett Beatty, J.D. Davis, Robinson Cano, Matt Chapman, all these names flying around. No one really knows. And it's just, I think that's a good summation of everything that's going on with the Mets. Like there are names linked to them all the time, and we hear about everything uh, but there's no news yet. There's only just the rumor mill, and it's just spinning quickly, like faster than it has been in a long time. I think, I, you know, I don't know why I have no – I feel like the Mets make a deal here during these agent meetings. Uh, I think they they have their eyes, their sights on somebody. I, I feel like Stevie Cohen's going to give Sandy the green light to go out and get one of the guys, whether it's uh, a Javi Baez or a Chris Bryant somebody i think we fill one of those spots before that december 2nd uh deadline for the cba i just feel like 
I feel like the Mets want to make a hit and they're, they're willing to do it now. If you had to place a bet, if you had to place a bet, would it be on Javier Baez being the first one to come back? I, I yes. That if I had to place a bet, it would be on Javi Baez coming back to the Mets. Cause if they want him, they're going to have that, you know, that chance to talk with him. They already started. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, Cause the, 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 the Chris Bryant's the, you know, those guys don't sign quickly for the most part, especially the Boris guys, they waited out, um, you know, and so I think Baez is a quick mover. He's hot. He doesn't have draft pick compensation, like I said, so it should be interesting. Yeah, the Giants front office made some crazy comments about Chris Bryant. I don't know if you saw that because um, people were trying to sort of gauge their interest in bringing him back, and they basically bluntly said, uh, no, like we, we got a midseason, we, we, we liked him, but they said something like we weren't impressed with his swing, which I thought was really interesting just because they, they I guess. Oh, I assume, didn't see that. Yeah, they guess, I guess they assume a regression will happen for a player like KB. And obviously the Giants have all sorts of reclamation projects that can play everywhere. So third base is not really a concern for them. But that's a team that's going to break the bank and spend a lot of money because they have like the Cueto contract coming off the books and they have just a ton of money to spend now. And the fact that they're instantly out on Chris Bryant, I feel like said a lot about his market. And like, I don't, I don't That's know. It's strange that they would say that too. I'd have to go back and read it. I'm going to read it now. You talk, you, you fill some space. I'm going to look this up real I quick. Just, I just, I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I don't want to put too much stock in, you know, like what one guy says about one player, but to assume that that doesn't affect the market, I think is naive just because, you know, Chris Bryant is it does the- affect a market. That's why that's why that seems out of character that they would say something like that, especially if it's if they say something about a swing, because that's kind of messed up. That's pretty personal to kind of knock his market down. Well, let's uh, here. I want to go over his uh, his splits a little, a little bit because Chris Bryant, you know, he had a fantastic first two months of the season. He really hit a dip in June. And then for the Giants, he kind of was just quietly there until the postseason. He had a great playoff season. Andrew Baggerly went on. So Andrew Baggerly there. Yeah. He's with the, by the way, I like him a lot. I was there. He's, he's very reputable. It was a reputable source. Exactly. That's why I was shocked. Very reputable. He's, he's uh, he writes for the athletic. He was on MLB network and mentioned that Chris Bryant is unlikely to come back to SF and the giants weren't very impressed with him, especially defensively at third base center field and right field. And also notes the swing won't age. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's a crazy. So it's not the giants saying that that's like, you know, his scoop, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. It wasn't like an official statement or anything. That would be completely insane. That's what I thought. That's, you know, because Sandy spoke. I thought maybe, you know, Farhan had, or, or Scott Harris got on and said, you know, we don't really like them. We didn't like him. That's that's incredible. That's wild and amazing. Yeah. So Brian, uh, he had a, uh, a fantastic OPS in the first two months, both above 950, dipped all the way down to 445, and then just kind of hung around in that 750, 800 range for the Giants, which is still fantastic and, like, great uh, for a, a starting hitter in your lineup. But the defensive concerns, like, the Mets cannot afford that if they're going to go after Brian. If he's going to play third if he comes here. Obviously, it's nice that he can play outfield positions, and he played a bunch of positions last year. But I don't think you're paying that much money for a left fielder. You're paying that much money to get Chris Bryant at third base. Yeah, I think that's, again, I think that's the best fit for him. I don't, I don't think he wants to bounce around like that. It's hard to do. Those are completely different jobs defensively. That's a whole, you know, I, I don't know. It's amazing that they can do it, but if he could say, all right, I'm playing third base regularly, I think he would more than happy to to sign that deal. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking here now. He had, let's see. 
one game at shortstop last year. Then he had 30 games. I'm just going on his Giants numbers because they really moved him around. Uh, 19 games in left, 26 games at third base, 11 games in right, five games in center, one game at short. He was everywhere. And plus games at first base for the Cubs, 12. So 10 plus games at five different positions. It's hard to get your footing under you as a hitter if you're constantly moving around and have to worry about that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough gig. He, I never heard him or saw him complain about any of it. Which you know, uh, I've heard nothing but good things of of him as a human being. But I would be like, you you could read it on my face if I had to move around all the time, be out there. They'd zoom in on me in left field. I'm just be like, yeah, exactly. Like I would be pissed. You know, there's no way to just get comfortable. And like, I'm not good enough to do all those jobs. So I would need like reps and I can't get, you know, I'm out shagging BP. I can't do five different positions. There's not enough time. (laughs) And like, it's so different for pitchers too. Like we talked about Aaron loop, how he was like the opener. And then one time he was situational lefty. And then sometimes he goes two innings and sometimes he gets the save, but you're still pitching at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. But that's different too. It's not the same. It's not the same as bouncing around two positions, but it's the same prep because you know, all of a sudden you're the opener, then your your preparation for your job is affected by when you go in, what you're doing, uh, and loops versatility and being able to do that's huge. That's that's again, that's what experience brings. You remember guys that bounce from the starting rotation back to the bullpen, back to the starting rotation. It's hard. It's not easy to do. And that's like a psyche thing too. I feel like you know. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a whole, it's a whole, it's two completely different jobs. Not everybody can be a a bullpen pitcher and not everybody can handle the workload of being uh, in the rotation. So versatility is amazing. I'm happy for, for Aaron loop. I would give him, I would give him uh, whatever he wants to come back. I'd be like, dude, what do you want? I think the Mets might give him like a two year, 16 to $20 million deal. I think he gets a really high AAV for a reliever. Uh, I think he, t- I think he takes it if he gets in that range. I think the Phillies offer him something similar, but I think, I just think he wants to come back here. So if the price is right, he will. So you, you put your money on bias coming back first. I think it's going to be loop, but I definitely think it's going to be one of the two, you know, I just think loop, I think loops, uh, market's going to be so big that, and he's going to have so many, you know, suitors, uh, that want because I mean he's 33 so there's not like this 27 year old shortstop that you're gonna have to sign to 13 years yeah. everybody he is he could make every single team in the big leagues better for the duration of the entire contract and that's very attractive and and for him you know he's he's the new bell of the ball so he's he's you know maybe he should bask in it for a little bit and enjoy it it's not it's not easy I'm definitely happy for him, but I'm definitely worried for us because he was, come on. He was, he was our favorite Met to watch and talk about. Here's, okay? here's my worry. Oh, Hey, say hi to Miley. By the oh, way. hi dog. How you doing? Yeah. She's, she's an old lady. She's, she's sitting on my lap chilling. Um, here's my worry about Aaron loop. He had an amazing year, historic year. We sign him. He gets paid. He has a rough year. We boo him. Yeah. He doesn't deserve that. No. If he if he regresses back to his average, which I think he did find something, he figured something out with with Hef and the, the analytics. I think he's going to be better. But can we really expect him to repeat what he did? And that's and an I think people thing. will be re- wanting him to repeat that. He wants to do it, but I don't think it's likely. Something was figured out with that analytic department and him because the, you know thirty three age uh, career seasons don't fall out of the sky there's a reason for them happening in the first place i agree but if all of a sudden he's a sub one reliever you know he's what liam hendricks do this year 
You know what I mean? Like, no offense to Aaron Loop, he's wonderful, but he doesn't have the same electric stuff as, as you know, the, the elite of the elite. And they, those guys still get hit around. So I, my worry is that he doesn't live up to the expectations and he's still great pitcher, but the fans are a little bit let down because he's not literally throwing up zeros all the time. Right, exactly. But I think if he's still the guy that gives you 60 games and you can use him wherever you want and he gives you like a 2-5 or a 3 ERA like he should, um, he's worth the money. That's exactly what I expect. That's the baseline of what I expect, and he would be worth it. And that's why he's very attractive uh, to the the free agent market. We're very used to, as fans, worrying about costs. And I'm not saying we should spend like drunken sailors, especially without guys in place of important positions. But the Mets can spend like that now for just pieces they know they need, even if they underperform, you know? Short-term pieces are easy for, for a bigger team to, to swallow that then. Yeah. So I agree with that. That's why we, you know, we talked about the, the Max Scherzer ideal, you know, get him for a two year, three year packed, but you know, it's not going to fit for him, but those are, those are great. Yeah. And I think that's, that's all we got. That's what we have. That's how many episodes? 19? 19. So next one's going to be 20. That's kind of exciting. Oh, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be, uh, we're not a teenagers anymore. Oh yeah. We're getting into adulthood now. How's it Crazy. going? How do you feel? How's our, how's, how's this happening? How's oh. Shea Station going? Oh, Shea Station. It's been wonderful, man. Of course. Come on. This is like a dream come true. I agree. Come on now. This has been fun, man. I just try and keep my cool every episode. You know, I try not to think about like, I'm talking to a big leaguer and just like casually, you know, <laughs> I have a question for you. So what year did you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 2017. What was like your, what was like, do you, did they listen to albums at your school or yeah, was yeah, it like yeah. just playlist on Spotify? No, I, I, I began like, listening. What were to some albums. big releases during your, your oh, last, your senior year of high school? That's a good question. Hang on. I need to like get a list and I'll, I'll tell you the ones that I listened to. That's a good question. 2017. I mean, are you, are you, do you still keep up with like new music and new albums or do you have your, music well, and well, that's we'll you find out to. right now. We'll find out right now. I guess that's not even, you're an old man now too. You, yeah, I'm, I'm so old dude. Completely. Like, you know, I've, I've completely uh, gone through adulthood. I pitched You're going to age leagues. into that mustache at some point. Hey, I think I already have. What are you talking about? Wait, okay. It looks great. You look okay. youthful with it. Sometime go. you're going to look like a dad. <laughs> so we have, all right, a couple, of the, a couple of the big ones are Dan by Kem- uh, Kendrick Lamar, Flower Boy, Tyler the Creator, Thundercats' first album came out that year. I don't even know who that is. You know, who oh. are the Thundercats? You gotta listen to. Thundercat. I know the cartoon. That's how old I am. I watched the Thundercat. That's crazy to me, Jerry. You gotta listen to Thundercat. Crazy bass lines. He's a fantastic bassist. Uh, let's see, Pure Comedy by Father John Misty, the latest Queens of the Stone Age album. Nothing I love so Queens. far. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. So like Kendrick, Kendrick had a had Damn. That's good. Four forty four by Jay Z. Let's see. I, I'm just curious because like country grammar. Nelly's country grammar came out. Um, Stankonia, uh, Outcast, like these are these are things in my era, and this is like classic hip hop. But that's like when you were in high school, right? That's my senior year. That's crazy. <laughs> are you wait? What's your favorite Outcast album? Uh oh, gosh, I like all. I love Outcast. I love both of them individually. I. The speaker box, I think, where they both kind of separated, but they kept together. I mean, that's hard to go. 
I like them all. There's like four. Yeah, I was going to say, there's like four good choices. I would probably go. They're, they're so good. They're so unique. I, re- I saw an interview. This is a off topic, but I saw an interview with Big Boy. I think he, he was doing a podcast or something. He talked about the infamous Source Awards where East Coast, West Coast with, with Suge Knight and, and Snoop. The best new artist that year was Outkast. And they were like, hey, hey, the South has something to say in hip hop. And they got booed off the stage like... I just, that to me that you forget about the big East coast, West coast battle. And, and like, it's kind of like faded from memory a little bit, you know? And they just endured man, because they're so unique. Like Andre 3000, he came out, what was the, it was, he was on, um, Dondra with, with Kanye. Oh, Donda. Yeah. He, he had a verse on there. Donda. Yeah. He was on that and he, he did like a, like a verse for him and, and he came out with, he like, still yeah, pops up every now and be. then. Honestly, he does. The guy's amazing. He's so he's such a creative genius and big boys, like one of my favorite flows as a rapper, that combination is beautiful. I love creativity. So Jerry, we're, uh, we're, we pretty, got, we're pretty, we got way out there. I, I apologize. We no, 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 no. For the, for, for the sure. fans that like love ATLians <laughs> and like, yeah, no, th- that was for them. All right. We're going to wrap up here, guys. One last thing. Might not be next episode, but in the near future, Shea Station's going to get another friend of the pod. Yeah, we got another friend coming on the pod. That'll be exciting. Another friend on the way. I'm abusing my Rolodex. Exactly. You know, we're, we're reaching out to what all... What is a Rolodex? Do you know what it's a like Rolodex It's like the thing is? you flip through, and it's like basically a contact list, but it's physical, right? Even that was even gone before my time, so... All right, cool. I nailed it, That's though, like right? the Dewey Decimal System. Do you know what the Dewey Decimal System is? Isn't that is? The, the library system? Or, yeah, uh, man. Oh, I know my shit, dude. I'm a grown man. I'm an adult. I'm like 40. Hey, <laughs> I, I bow down. That was wonderful. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up here uh, for John Boy Media. I'm Jolly Olive. And I am Jerry Blevins. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go Mets. strike three. A career high 15 strikeouts for Jacob DeGrom. Alonzo to his left, flipped to DeGrom.